What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to a special episode of Magical Thinking. I recently traveled to Chicago for the grand opening of the Chicago Magic Lounge, Chicago's newest home for close-up and stage magic. The lounge was previously just a show, but over the last year, the construction of an incredible, immersive magic venue has given the Chicago Magic Lounge a new home and a new face. The place is gorgeous, and visiting and seeing the shows are definitely the coolest experience you can have in Chicago right now. This is a two-in-one episode. The first half is a conversation between myself, Ryan Plunkett, a former guest of the show and the head magician at the lounge, and Benjamin Barnes, a professional magician in Chicago who serves as the entertainment director for the lounge and keeps everything running smoothly. The second conversation is with Joey Cramford, the man steering the ship. Joey's an amateur magician, an improviser, and an actor, and his love for magic and live performance in Chicago spurred him to start the Chicago Magic Lounge. This is a great episode, and it was an absolute pleasure to be there for the opening weekend. I do want to mention that while I was in Chicago, I had some difficulties with the microphone, so please bear with me for parts of the conversation. Luckily, the only mic that gave me any problems was mine, and I don't really add that much value anyway, so no worries there. I'm sure you'll love it just the same. I also strongly recommend you listen to the vignette that comes immediately before this in the feed, so you can hear an update on the show and what's going on in my life. If you haven't already, Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Magical Thinking Podcast. If you want to learn magic, cardistry, or a couple of quick bar bets, head over to artofmagic.com. Art of Magic is the premier destination for learning the fundamentals of sleight of hand technique, as well as some of the most advanced magical applications of dexterity in the world. While you're at it, you'll probably need a deck of cards or two, so head over to artofplay.com to get what you need. Art of Play also provides a curated collection of games, puzzles, and other amusements which offer epiphanies for the curious mind. Anyway, get into the episode, and if you have any magic-related questions or comments on the show, let me know what you think by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com, or you can email me at my personal email, which is me, M-E, me, at elliotterrell.com. And I'm going to spell that for you because it's a little tricky. It's E-L-L-I-O-T-T. T-E-R-R-A-L.com. Three T's there in the center. So me at ElliotTerrell.com. Anyway, this is great. I had such a blast in Chicago with my old friends and meeting some new ones. This is the special episode for the launch of the Chicago Magic Lounge. Enjoy. All right. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're live from Chicago. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're at the Magic Lounge, uh, and last night was press night. Is tonight the official opening? Last night was the official opening. Yeah, the the official opening. Mm -hmm. So how is that? What's the deal? How was it? Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Sold out crowd. Great shows. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. How was it for you? You didn't see it. You, you didn't, I didn't see the show. Okay. I saw maybe 50% of the show. So I was running around. But what I saw was pretty fantastic. Matt, and I heard the entire show. I really listened mm-hmm. to the show more than watch it because that tells me how 
it registers with the audience, which is my primary concern. Mm-hmm. And lots of uh, applause, lots of laughs. I mm-hmm. thought it went really great. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. What's the... What's the process going to be for picking performers um, for the lounge? Just out of curiosity, because Ryan already got a message this morning. <laughs> <laughs> let it let the floodgates open. Yeah. They're already open. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get emails constantly now, and from from people I know who now their manager kind. I won't mention any names, but it's like, <laughs> why don't you just call? Um, my goal with the show, in terms of selecting talent and booking the show, is to create nights where people see the richness of magic so it's not all comedy magic it's not all story magic manipulation is there's a, a mix to it so you see uh hopefully in with this show that is happening uh that happened last night and also tonight and saturday the range of styles the range of material i think is really amazing i don't think you see that in many shows um anywhere yeah so yeah, I'm just looking for diversity mm-hmm. uh, in every form when these shows are put together. Great. And what's the schedule for that? What do you mean? What's the um, what, I guess what's the performance schedule for people that come and work? I guess how is how how do we distinguish this from the Magic Castle for the listeners? Oh, the the distinctions are well, if you're here, they're obvious. For people who are listening on the podcast, maybe not so much. Uh, first of all, it's open to the public. You don't have to know a magician or uh, have some kind of hookup. Uh, so that's a big distinction. Also, it's not a private club. This Our primary goal is to satisfy people who purchase tickets to see it. We do have a magician membership here. Um, but again, the primary goal is to please the public. Um, how else is it different from the Magic Castle? How would you say, Ryan? I feel like it's more approachable than the castle is. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you have eight or nine magicians a night working, but it's all in the context of really one or one show, one overall show. Yeah. Whereas the castle, it's it's a fragmented night, and you get to see what you make time for. Whereas this, your night is kind of planned out for you. You know, you have bar magic the second you walk in. You have close-up magic at the tables when the house opens. You have two stage acts, then you have a, another show and a, a close-up gallery at the end in the 654 Club. Right. So it's it's a more curated night, I think, yes. than the castle is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think, Ryan, that's the perfect way to put it, and that's the perfect word, uh, curated. With the castle, and I love the castle, by the way. I want to make too. that really clear. Um, the castle, the people that go there, they sort of create their own experience based on what they're willing to wait in line for. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, we create an evening that we guide you through. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect way to describe the difference. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I think that that's, that's nice, that it is like a seamless experience. And the it's all kind of one big room, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Because um, there's no... There's a door to get in, but it's, you know, the ceiling. It's We share a ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> how is that going to play show-wise versus what's happening at the bar? Is, the, is there a performer at the bar while the show is happening? They're down there to, uh, to interact with the, uh, the locals that walk in just wanting a drink. And uh-huh. they're there for the people who are still in the bar. 
Um, but there's no actual show at the bar while the main stage is happening. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And we're still tweaking all of this. Uh, this is our first week, as you know. Uh, on Monday during one of the soft openings, I did see a magician performing for people at the bar, but he whispered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was really talking like this. Yeah. Um, so we're still figuring all of that out. Mm-hmm. Um, because Ryan's absolutely right. There will be people at the bar during the show who just come in to have a drink and maybe see a couple of uh, magic tricks at the bar. And um, so in The Magician, will interact with those people, but it's not the same as the 15-minute set that they do twice an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you were here for a lot of the night last night. What was your What was your initial takeaway? Um, I really enjoyed the atmosphere. I think that uh, the the experience of coming in and then immediately seeing the bar, seeing the library is intriguing and interesting and the entrance is very fun. But I think people are primed uh, to have a good time just because of the, the atmosphere of it when you come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> Too much, okay. Well. Too much. Well... That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's what we want. So what, how, how did you guys, how long have you been involved in the lounge? Uh, I've been involved the past almost three years. Uh, when I first moved to Chicago, um, I just was in the right bar at the right time, met the right person, and just kind of fell into place. Um, <coughs> they had a, um, a, at the theater we used to perform at, the, the space we were renting, we had, uh, they had an open, uh, like an open house kind of, um, where they didn't quite have their liquor license yet. So they were putting on a show and they invited everybody out and it was BYOB. And I was in the audience for that. And then after the show, I went up and I met Joey and, and John and he said, show me something. So I showed him something and just fried him. He said, what are you doing next week? You want a job? And so then I started performing casually through that and then I'm like you guys need a new logo here I'll do it for you you know the website needs some updating let me do that for you and so I just kind of assumed more responsibilities until I was doing all these things Uh, and then it just snowballed from there Um, and then after about a couple and a half years we had an opportunity to build this place Mm -hmm. you know and our team grew and our our team grew a lot actually and it's just been a a crazy ride getting to work with Benjamin now Yep. Uh, I've been, I was hired by the lounge. I wasn't one of the originals. Uh, I've been with the lounge maybe a year and I took on my role, um, fully in November. So just with sort of the planning of things and, uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been around for a year. You know, I've been in the city my whole life and certainly part of magic for in the city for the last 20 years or so. But uh, yeah, with the lounge about a year, yeah. So, and what was what was uh, why why you <laughs> why me? Because I oh okay, let me answer this question properly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything too crazy. <clears throat> um, well, you know, I've just been around a long time. You know, I um, when I was in my late teens, sort of the last generation of the really great Chicago magicians was around still. So I was hanging out with Jay Marshall on the regular basis. Um, who else? George Johnson. I mean, people that 
a lot of younger magicians don't even know who these people are, but these were the people who were Blackstone and all these folks, and they were my friends, you know. Um, I was the young guy. Now there's a lot of young guys. We have Ryan Plunk, we have Justin Purcell, all these young guys. I was the young guy. Uh, Eugene Berger, um, all those guys were sort of my friends. And then I was a part of a show that started called Magic Chicago, longest running magic show in Chicago history. We were running for 12 years. And in that time, we brought the world of magic to Chicago. Uh, any magician, especially uh, in this country of note, we were able to bring to Chicago for, in most cases, the first time. And uh, after 12 years of doing that, I was just really connected to that world. And I think that was attractive to Joey and his partner, Don Clark, that they knew I could bring people like Max Maven and Alba from Argentina and Arthur um, and make it relatively easy for them to connect. That's very cool. Yeah. What was it like doing, I mean, hanging out with the, that last generation and what have you learned and kept going? Well... I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of things that I think are getting lost with uh, technology. I think technology has had a profound effect on how mag- how people come up in magic. When I was Ryan's age and even younger than Ryan, when I was around those guys, it was just about asking questions mm-hmm. and learning things. This was before Facebook and Twitter. Back in those days, God, I sound old, don't I? <laughs> I sound old as hell. But back in those days, people weren't trying to build a brand. We were just so, when you would interact with someone like Jay Marshall, it wasn't about saying you knew Jay Marshall or taking selfies or you just wanted to learn. You wanted to learn and wanted to grow and that was invaluable. You know, I, you know, right now I see and this isn't bad. I'm not saying that this is bad. But there, I see people building these careers online and in the social media space, which I think is wonderful. But that's when I was in my late teens, early 20s, we just wanted to be great magicians. Mm. We didn't want to be necessarily even stars. We just wanted to be great magicians because the folks around us, you know, when Jay was alive and he lived in his magic shop, mm. Everyone came to that magic shop. So you see Jim Steinmeier, you see John Carton, you see all these incredible people. And it was about learning and trying to step into those shoes. Um, to answer your question uh, with regard to what I've tried to bring into this is, one, a sense of history. Hopefully, you know, we have all this historical information mm-hmm. on the walls and pictures. And I think it's important to know, especially with regard to the Chicago folks, who those people were. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important. You know, yesterday we had this big grand opening. And in many ways, I felt like I was at a different party than everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, the Magic Lounge began three years ago. And that evening was was sort of a celebration of all the work that Ryan did and Joy did over those three years. I viewed it as... Um, sort of a high point that was a hundred years in the making. I see the connection between this and everything that came before it. And I think it's important to understand that because when you know where you come from, it really informs how you mm-hmm. live now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just want to bring that to that. You know, <laughs> uh, that's my goal and to see and help people grow. You know? Well, and Chicago has such a deep history of magic as yep. well. It's such a yep. a vital part of the city yep. that I think you're right that 
all of these magic bars that came before yeah. us really primed yep. the city and the atmosphere and the influence of this place. Yeah. Yep. Like we're, we're sitting on the shoulders of giants. Yep. Truly. And it's important to know their names. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, absolutely. And so I, it, it seems like that people in Chicago are primed uh, for magic because they have a different perception of it than the rest of the world. Or at least the rest of the country. Um, I think because it does have such a deep tradition here, you know, where people, magic was just around. There's mm-hmm. so many opportunities mm-hmm. to see it that I think it's, people want it, you know, more <laughs> here. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> and then what do you think the lab is uh, going to do for, you know, how the public experiences magic how they how they perceive it what their well, I'm ho- ho- ideas of it are hopefully they'll be exposed to to more great magic i mean hopefully ho- i mean ideally right most people in their life don't see good magic uh-huh. so to come here and mm-hmm. see eight or nine really good performers in a night yep just shows the wealth of of talent that this city has to yep. offer Absolutely. Even the art, how much the art has to offer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think to, um, again, your question was how would this place affect how people perceive magic? It goes back to what you said about your own experience. You know, when you walk into this place and you just take in the place, it's a beautiful, this is, I don't, I don't want to be too grandiose about it, but it's sort of like going into Carnegie Hall or the Museum of um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, the the environment itself creates a certain type of feeling. And then when you sit mm-hmm. down and you interact with the staff and the magicians, you eat the food and you hear the music and the lighting, all of that stuff heightens the experience of the magic that comes on. And we will have great magic. I mean, that's my job. If we don't, I'm going to be asking you for a job, Elliot. Uh, so... You know, that's the plan, you know, but I think, yeah, I think it will certainly uh, give people a high, uh, high level experience of magic. What's interesting for me, and I kind of am just now putting this together, but last night I had a little bit of the food and it was delicious. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I say that because... It feels weird to me, and I think this speaks to just the magic that I've experienced in general, but it feels weird to me that everything here is so nice mm-hmm. and so well done. <laughs> it feels, it feels yeah. weird because it's like, wait, isn't this a magic? We're doing a magic thing right now. Yeah. It's like, but this, this is good? It's all <laughs> It's like, it's a kind of a weird, weird thing that I'm just realizing I experienced. It's all elevated. At least that's our goal. Yeah. You know, the food, the drinks... The, the atmosphere, the performance, you know, just your overall experience, we hope to elevate it. We want it to be approachable, mm-hmm. yep. you know, for the every man, but we want it to be really special for them also. You know, we don't want, we don't want it to feel like you're just in a die, a gross dive bar, you know, about to see somebody who knows mm-hmm. a couple tricks. Yeah. We want you to come in and experience like wonder and forget about everything else and just see great magic. Yep. We want to theatricalize magic. We want to have you eat great food and drink great drinks, you know, and just have a good time. Mm-hmm. 
So the food and the drink are really important to that. Yeah. And the staff here has just done a, an incredible job. Yeah. This place feels uh, glamorous. Again, <laughs> not many magic things are glamorous. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I, it's just, it's it feels strange in a good way, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and this, I, I hope that this kind of approach becomes the norm. I hope so. I hope. Yeah, but you know, it's funny. It the folks who we had an amazing team of designers and architects who have had nothing to do with magic prior to this project. So I think the Magic Lounge reflects the type of thing you would see at a great theater, or you know, magic. Sadly. Um, hasn't been presented in environments of this caliber and at this level. Um, and that's why I think it feels so weird. You know, <laughs> I think it yeah. shows that magic is worth investing in yeah. also. Yeah. And we also got lucky that we were, had the resources, not, mm-hmm. you know, there's not many magicians or people dedicated to magic who have the resources to make this possible. Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan's right. The timing, you know, the universe set everything up so that this could happen. Uh, because as I mentioned, I had a show for 12 years. I never could have done this. Never. And I tried to make it as high level as possible. So, um, yeah, we're lucky people. Mm-hmm. Lucky people. Yeah, when you start from the ground up, like, you know, with this new building, it's amazing, yeah. you know. How detailed you can make the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything is detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. How do you think this is going to affect magic for magicians in the country, performing wise or in know? general? Well, I hope because everything you do as a magician affects magic. Yeah, absolutely. So how does this affect magic? I think for the the local performers. It'll, it gives them a, a stage to, to fine-tune on, you know. Uh, it gives them a place where they can work and they can, they can get better and they have, mm-hmm. you know, they can put the hours in mm-hmm. and polish their acts. But I also think for the, the amateurs, it immerses them around really good magic as well. Yeah. You know, I think when you have this bubble and everybody in this bubble, all you're doing is... Joey likes to say all ships rise with the tide. So you have great magic and you surround yourself with great magic and you're just, you're, you're lifting yourself up. You're, you're just submerged and always learning and always getting better. And I think that's really important. Yep. I agree. That's a lot of what I was going to say. Um, what I'll add to that is for people who work here, it's another place to work. It's another job. It's another thing that keeps you going financially and artistically, um, which is nice. In Chicago, we have a lot of great guys, um, and we'll have more. Uh, the folks who work here locally are actually a small group, mm-hmm. and this is an opportunity to you know, advance financially a little bit, which for magicians is huge. You know, this. It's not like being a doctor. There's no straight career path, so it's great to mm-hmm. be able to help people out in that way. Uh, and then also, Chicago, obviously, is a major city. And this shines a bright light on magic so that folks not only in Chicago, but all over the world will know you know, more about magic and more about this place. 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how magicians who come through here and do the rune change because of it. Mm-hmm. Not just they were able to bang in another set, but like being in a place that is so elevated and so finely tuned to magic, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm interested about how it's going to bleed out into other areas, other cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we did our Magic Chicago a long, long time ago, um, that right after that happened, a number of shows very similar began to pop up mm-hmm. all over the place. Indianapolis, several shows in Chicago. Um, and I think you'll see more people just saying, hey, let's do stuff. Let, let's get into it. Um, and then also, you know, I think about the castle all the time. Magicians aspire to perform. They, they perform and they comes back to their homes. You know, me and Ryan perform there. Several of our guys perform there. And I think as more people perform here and go back to wherever they come from, they'll take whatever experiences here and it'll spread amongst the local communities of magicians elsewhere. I hope so. This will be an aspirant place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it already is. I can tell you that. And um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. What is, how, I mean, how long are you, how long out are you booking? Because you guys are open seven nights a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you're not, because like the castle books yeah. a performer for a week. You know, how are you keeping the, keeping the car running? <laughs> Well, very carefully. Yeah, very carefully. <laughs> uh, a lot of thought is put into the acts that are invited to come here. Okay. What's nice is as the buzz grows on this place, uh, great acts will reach out to us. Uh, and that's already happening. I have a personal mission to book the place primarily with magicians uh, who are really good and really ready from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So 90% of the time magicians you see here will be from Chicago, but every month there will be visiting magicians from all over the place. And the way we keep it running is I try just to stay ahead, you know, mm-hmm. at least a month and a half ahead. Um, once this week winds up, I'll be able to push out even further. But yeah, we're just staying on top of it. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, locally, there's enough people who want to work where keep the schedule pretty full. And like I said, once or twice a month, someone from out of town will come in. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. Yeah. That's really exciting. So we're, you know, opening week. How do you feel? I know we already kind of answered that, but I mean, literally, how do you feel? Are you ready to collapse? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and we have tonight's a two show night. Yep. Tomorrow's a two show night, and then Sunday we start our family matinee. Yep. And then next week we start over. Start over. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're exhausted. Yeah. And all the press has been kicking our butt. Yeah. <laughs> Just every day we have like two or three news people here. Yep. And reporters in and out all the time and. Nonstop, go, it's go, non-stop. go. Nonstop. But it's good. Uh, I haven't slept more than three hours this week. Uh, so I'm happy for opening week, but I'm also happy for the next week. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, ecstatic. Yeah, I'm really happy that this is winding now. But it feels good. It feels good. I haven't yelled at too many people, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I haven't crashed my car. I fell asleep twice while I was driving. No. Yeah. Oh. Fortunately, it's like one thirty in the morning. And there was no one to hit. Um, but I'm rested now. 
<laughs> it's the scariest thing I've ever yeah. heard. You know what's uh, you know what's a, a good thing is if you you take like a a bag of baby carrots and you eat those while you're driving. Oh, I got a tip for you. Yeah. This is what I did last night. You just start screaming. I yes, you start screaming yeah. and it keeps you awake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be but, then you, but then you're suddenly very aware that you're screaming. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah. It's really funny. I can't be ah! I was like, all okay. like pinch my leg. Yep. Yep. The whole wind with the window open is not real. That no, doesn't that work. doesn't work. Yeah, it just makes you cold. <laughs> <laughs> I just turn on Elton John and sing really well. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like well, let's ask uh, let's ask Elliot a question. <laughs> this is your first time in Chicago. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, as an outsider, mm-hmm. what? What is the first takeaway you get from the Chicago scene or the Chicago influence? I mean, you talked to Simon the other day. You talked to Jeanette. Mm-hmm. You've seen the show. You see part. You saw part of the show last night. What is what is the first thing that you see about Chicago that that pops in your head? Well, I honestly I haven't even seen much magic since I've been here. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I have seen, though, has been really well thought out, really well created, uh, structurally, artistically. It's just, I think Chicago holds itself to a higher standard, just not consciously. It just has, you know, been developed for over so many years mm-hmm. that other places kind of don't have the community that Chicago has. I mean, everybody here, it seems like, is kind of all on the same page. They're all helping each other out. Yep. It's, you know, it's a very supportive, collaborative place yep. and process. And in L.A. especially, I mean, it's too cutthroat. It's mm-hmm. too, uh, everybody's kind of cagey. They're like, I can't tell you what I'm working on. I can't do, we can't hang out. I can't show you my trick. I don't want you to steal anything. And here, you know, it's just a different, different approach, different mindset, which yeah. is really nice. That's awesome. That I think that has a lot to do with the city itself, with the the theater community here and the improv community yep. here. Um, it's the city is a very collaborative city. Mm-hmm. You know, the art, a lot of the art here is ensemble based, um, which our show is also yep. uh, takes notes from that. You know, we're an ensemble based show. Yep. Um, but like the theaters here and the, especially like second city and IO, it's very team driven. Yeah. And so I think the collaboration citywide is what pushes the art forward and the, uh, that collaboration forward. Um, and it's, it's bleeds into all aspects of it, you know? The city is also very primed to see anything. Like yeah. you put a poster up on a wall somewhere, and you will have an audience. Yeah, you know, people are just so thirsty for for entertainment in the city. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right, Ryan. And we can see, you know, Joey, who is the founder and owner, came from Second City. Uh, a lot of the guys are improvisers. Mm-hmm. You know, Lee and lots of other folks. So yeah, I think Ryan is right. But that type of collaboration goes back to the original Chicago Magicians Roundtable. I think it's, you know, I think the culture of L.A., and I go there at least once a year Mm -hmm. uh, when I am at the castle, is everyone's trying to 
be not I don't want to say a star, but everyone's trying to make it, whatever it is. Yeah. Where in Chicago, people just are trying to work, yeah. trying try to get <laughs> good at this. I mean, there's no entertainment industry in the same sense as there is in LA. Yeah. Um, so I think, but magicians work here, but it's just not. We don't have the celebrity culture that you find in places like LA and New York. Uh-huh. So people work on things, and we share and. <laughs> Yeah, I think we also have integrity here, and that's part of our mission statement. Our mission statement is right there on the wall. Integrity is a big part of it. So magicians, we understand we share, we don't steal, and uh, we help each other out. That's yeah. a part of the culture, certainly of this place, but I think it's a lot older than this place, too. When I first moved here, there was a saying that I latched on to. It's um, New York and L.A. are where you go to get famous. Chicago's where you go to get good. Yep. Yeah. And that goes, that's from like the improv world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yep. You get good at it here, and then you go someplace else and make money. <laughs> uh, or you can stay here and make money, but no one will know your name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a special place. And I, I hope through this place, more folks from all over the world of Match will come here, get uh-huh. to know us, and be a part of what we're doing. Yeah. Is this, you know, do you think this will be the start of another boom? You know, back when, back when the bars were around, somebody opened up a magic bar yeah. and somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of started blossoming. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that something is going to happen like that again? You know what I was going to say because you said you haven't seen a lot of magic. This is the big. This is like the eight hundred pound gorilla in Chicago, the Chicago Magic Lounge. There's a lot of magic happening in this town. A lot, Mm -hmm. and if you're around for a couple of days, I would love to help expose you to some of that. Um, But yeah, I think it will continue to grow. I mean, that's the thing about um, someone succeeding. It lets people who want to succeed know that it's possible. And it motivates people to try. So, yeah, I think absolutely you'll see more and more. Maybe not of this level because this is very expensive. But, yeah, I think you'll see all kinds of things pop up from this. What kind of magic do you do? I do uh, a lot of close-up. When I go to the castle, I work the close-up room. I want to do more rooms, Jack, if you're listening. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he's not. (laughs) I'm sure he's not. (laughs) I'll tell him to listen. Um, But I do mostly corporate work. Uh, So a lot of corporate cocktail parties, some uh, corporate stage presentations. That's 99% of what I do. And then every once in a while, for fun, I'll perform here, uh, which is great. My involvement here is I just want to see the community grow. Uh, I don't really want anything from this project. I'm not looking for attention, celebrity, money, or fame. I just want to help it grow and help other people's dreams come true through it. And then I just do my corporate work and hopefully uh, some magic that is worthwhile and valuable, create that kind of stuff. Why do you want to do that? Why do I want to do that? Yeah. Because that's what's important. Why? That's, it's important because uh, magic, it helps magic continue. I think my focus in life, this is getting deep, Elliot. Uh, my focus in life is helping magic get to the next place. Before I was around, there were people who were there ready for me to step into life and help me to put 
the best that they could have matched in me. People like Max Maven, Eugene Berger, like I said, Jay Marshall, all these people. And I have it. And I've been able to create a life with magic. I've been able to do some cool things. But the only reason those people could help me was because they were in a position to help me. And that position was available to them because they were great at what they did. The magicians who aren't very good or don't produce work of value, they just become part of the mass. You don't even notice them. The better you are, the more... the more of a position you have to help people uh, because you stand out and you have things of value. So, yeah, I'm going to create magic of value. One, because I love it. It's fun. Audiences love it. People need magic. This place doesn't exist just because a lot of money was available to make it. There's an audience for it. And there's an audience that doesn't even know it exists that wants it. You know, once people are exposed to it, they want it. Uh, so I want to just be a part of that chain, keeping it going. I won't have this job forever. I know that and I'm cool with it. And I won't be around forever. I just want to pass off the baton to the next generation. And the way to do that is to produce work of value. And uh, that's why I want to do it. How do you think about magic? Uh, I think about magic in terms of... Uh, and this ties into the lounge. First and foremost, um, how it affects the audience. I would say magic should be for the consumption of a lay audience. So I think about it in those terms first. Um, but also when it comes to the magic, I do, I do magic that I like first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then I figure out a way to present it so that when people see it, they'll like it too. But I'm trying to create the feeling of magic like well i want people to feel that sort of intangible thing that magic is you can't even describe it. there's no words for it um so that's what i'm looking for i don't want people to think i'm necessarily clever mm-hmm. uh i'm not trying to convince people i'm a star i am uh but <laughs> that's right sucker. Uh, that's right but i <laughs> i, I want to you know to me the star of this place and the star of any really great magic show is magic and we're just there to prop it up so people see it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think about it. Do you yeah. want to talk about the influence of Eugene on, yep. on the way you approach magic also? Yeah, yeah. Well, Eugene, uh, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay. Yeah. So you talk about it. I still consider myself, I mean, I've been doing magic a long time, but I still consider myself very new to magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm only 25, so I have, a, <laughs> I have a long way to go. I mean, I I look at people like Ben as huge influence. Like, I saw Ben work at a party the other night. Ben has endless confidence, and it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yep. You know, and just the way Ben approaches magic is something very different than the way I had approached magic. And so, and I've only been in Chicago for four years, so I'm I'm also still getting used to the Chicago approach to everything. Which is what? Uh, just the the fine tooth comb that the city brings to magic. Yep. You know, like when I was when I was in college or when I was younger, I'd learn a trick and I'd go do that trick, and it was great. You know, I worked at a magic shop for a number of years and. I worked at a baseball stadium in high school doing magic at a, as like a sports bar, but never with this fine tooth focus. And, and luckily with this place, this is the only thing I have to worry about anymore. Yep. You know, like yep. this project has taken away all of my concerns about paying bills. And I've, I've, I'm just in this very lucky place. 
I mean, with hard work, but yep. but also luck. You yep. know, I I now get to zero in on what how I want to define my magic and how I want to be perceived mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's just, I, I still consider this a, a big learning experience, you know. I'm here five nights a week doing yeah. magic, but I with our team, I, I always talk about how I don't want to stagnate out. I don't want to just feel like I'm going through the motions. I want everybody on our team to always be working on something new and always be bringing something new to the table. Mm-hmm. Because I think that with all of us doing that, we'll all be push, pushing each other forward. You know, hopefully in a year when you come back, yeah, you know, we'll we start here and we you know we jump up sixty percent or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember the question anymore. That's but. okay. Stream of consciousness. Yeah, people dig it. Uh, <laughs> also, I think with Chicago, the magic has always been close up, yeah, and th- the nature of that is you really you should read these old books like Bert Allerton and Matt Shulian they, they each of their books mm-hmm. th- there's a list of what it takes to be successful in this and it's number one is always the love of people yep. <laughs> and then it's technique you know but it's the love of people and I think that's a big part of the approach that's a big part of the approach and when Ryan says you know we work these parties I used to in the latter part of Eugene's life. I used to do parties with him and John Rayleigh and Danny Orleans, people like this. And I am successful at it, as Ryan alluded to with his earlier comment. And part of it is the people part of it, the connection with people, that's the part that's not in magic books. And that's the part that matters most to people. Yeah. If the whole line about if people like you, they'll like what you do, as stupid as that sounds, it's so true. So true. It's like the truth. I always tell young magicians, especially, 90% of this job is smiling. Mm-hmm. And 10% of it is like whatever the magic effects are that you do. But yeah, it's, it's the connection. And that takes the longest to learn because you have to figure out the mystery that is yourself. Mm-hmm. That And that's so hard. Mm-hmm. That's so... It, it, I mean, it's taken me many, many years. Um, but once you figure that out, I mean, it's like Al Goshman said, if you watch this DVD of just his act, he has a whole presentation on how the magic is you. And he goes into what that means. But yeah, I mean, the the biggest secret of any magic act is the magician. And the person who has to figure out the most is the magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's my experience. I don't like to speak in generalizations because I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm just a student of this. I know nothing. I'm just trying to learn a little bit every day. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I love when Ben works a room, he knows every single person's name in that room. That's Eugene. Yeah. That was a lesson. You memorize everyone's name. And when I do parties, when I say goodnight to everyone, I say goodnight to everyone by name. So I can do 100 people easy. And when you do that, man, that check goes up. Those zeros just come on and on and on. It's the real work right there. It is. How do you introduce yourself to 100 people? Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. When, and this is a real secret, something I learned. When you go to a party, I did a party with another magician who everyone knows. I won't say his name. He's a young guy, though. Me. No, it's not you. <laughs> uh, but you know this person. Uh, I don't want to embarrass him, though. But he tours. Everyone knows this guy. And we were doing, like, walk around. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the party, he comes up to me. He's like, Ben, 
everyone's telling me no they don't want to see magic like two people said they want to see magic and one of the secrets is and i do this all the time you go up to a group of people and you say hello i'm benjamin barnes i'm the magician here at your party and whoever the host is or the company so say you're doing a party for um sandra bullock so which i've done parties like that before you go up to this group of people and you say hello i'm Magician X, I'm the magician at your party. Sandra Bullock told me to come and show you something wonderful. Now that does, and then I say, are you ready? Now, if they're not ready, it's not saying no. Yeah. It's just saying I'm not ready. Maybe I just found out I have a sickness. I'm not ready to see, fine. But you can part ways and it doesn't feel awkward. It doesn't feel like a rejection. But if they aren't obviously doing something to reject something that the host has given to you in the form of a gift, in their psychology, that's rude. That's wrong. So you're never going to get a no. I never get rejected by a group. Even people who think they don't want to see magic, if it's any good, once you show them that first trick, you got them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I never get... And Ryan, as you saw at the party we did, and this was lots of celebrities, sports celebrities mm-hmm. around, people didn't necessarily care about us. Sure. But uh Yeah. I, I rock those parties. Yeah. Uh, but again, this is stuff I learned from Eugene and Danny Orleans and all those people. You know, like I said, I was the young, when I was Ryan's age, I was watching these people trying to figure out this stuff that took them 40 years to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now I'm the old guy who talks about the old days. And I'm not even that old, but I'm not 20, you know. Yeah. So, or 25. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my job is to pass along so he knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, amazing community minded. Yep. Place. Is there? Is, do you think there's going to be any sort of educational program that you guys do? I know that's part of the plan. Mm-hmm. We're working on it. Yeah, that's part of the plan. It might not be a year one thing, but sure, it's something that we're actively looking at. Yeah, I mean, it just it makes sense. Yeah. You know. Well, tomorrow we have a conversation and Q and A with Max Maven that we're doing just so people can ask questions. You know, 30 minutes of it would be like a talk and then an hour and 20 will be questions. So we're hoping to create, in addition to formal classes, just experiences with masters where you can go back and forth. And this is for the public? No, it's for our magician. It's oh, for the, the round table. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. I think that also could be cool for the public. I think so too. But... Yeah. Only so much time this week, but yeah, in the future, sure, sure. in the yeah, future, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll do it. Yeah. We're just trying to dazzle people this weekend. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dazzle them so they keep coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down the road, though, I think that's an interesting idea: is to have a really great magician just do a Q and A with the audience. Mm-hmm. That is a good idea. I saw Ricky J did something like that at the Art Institute of Tech. Uh, the Arts, Chicago School of the Art Institute, and it was great. It was heavily attended and. What was cool was those people were not magicians. There were maybe two magicians in the audience, and it was just a full house, and it was a great day. And we saw the thing at um, yeah, we saw DePaul. Ricky at DePaul, yeah, yeah. People are into that kind of thing. So, yeah, yep. They want to know. Everybody's curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it? Is it a? Is it a Steinmeier quote? Where he says the biggest secret of magic is that magicians are guarding an empty safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Steinmeier. 
Yep, and it's all just thread and tape and magnets. <laughs> yeah, magnets. Yeah, magnets. I have an extra coin. <laughs> and that's it. That's, it. Yeah. that's why Derek Delgado, he has that great quote. He says, a great magician doesn't keep secrets from the audience. He keeps them for them. And that's true. And that's to protect the magic, which mm-hmm. is this intangible sort of thing that transcends the tape and, you know, the extra coin and the double back card. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. It's in the space between. Yep. I think I'll probably get shit. That I think I just stole that from Derek. <laughs> well, you just said that, so now you're okay. You're okay. But it is. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday. It's like when you're reading a magic book, and you mentioned, you alluded to it as well, and and talking about being with people. But when you're reading a magic book, it's like do the thing, do the thing, look at the audience, say the words. It's it's, but it's a the spaces book. between the sentences. You know, mm-hmm. that's where the magic is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reading a magic book is like reading a cookbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in a cookbook, you just get the ingredients and then what order you put them in. But it doesn't really. It's also Delgado's. <laughs> See, God. <laughs> How many cookbooks has Derek written? <laughs> what, what do people need to know about the lounge that we haven't talked about? I would say they need to know they need to support it, uh-huh. um, to spread the word about it, and to come as often as they can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And what's nice is the program is so varied. Mondays and Tuesdays, we have close-up magic at the tables, but there's also musical programming. Uh, so there's jazz on Monday nights. And then on Tuesdays, we have uh, vocalists. Uh, one of our owners is a producer of Broadway plays. So we're sort of marriaging the world of theater with magic mm-hmm. in a way that you typically don't see in magic venues. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's really, that. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, uh, one of our owners... Uh, is a Tony Award winning producer of Broadway theater and he has a love for musical theater and on nights when we think it will be slow for magic specifically Monday and Tuesday mm-hmm. we're going to have uh, music here and that will attract a whole different crowd hopefully uh it's certainly a crowd that loves music, but we hope to introduce them to magic and to bring them into magic and have the worlds of theater and magic mingle and have people grow from that. Um, so that's pretty cool. On Wednesday nights, we have David Parr doing his one-man show, uh, which again is an opportunity to see a long-form performance of magic mm-hmm. and see how that works. And you know, magicians can grow from that, but the public, I think, will absolutely love it. Uh, David Parr has done a lot of work at the castle recently. He won Fool Us, or he fooled him, I should say. Um, he also comes from a, a long-standing run of yep. his own. Yep. 10 years doing a weekly magic show wow. at a Tony Award winning theater here in the city, Regional Theater. Uh, and he comes from the theater world as well, so that mm-hmm. informs his magic. is much more than a collection of magic tricks. Uh, Thursday night uh, is our typical or our, our normal format Chicago Magic Lounge mm-hmm. where you have an ensemble performing magic. But that's a completely different show than you would see on Friday and Saturday. So the programming is so varied. You could come here three or four times a week, see a completely different show. And Sunday as well. And the Sunday family show. And to me, that's the family show in many ways to me is the most important show. Uh, because as we know from all the stories we've heard, 
a lot of great magicians' first introduction to magic was at that show at the kids' birthday mm-hmm. party. Yeah. And I believe um, that this show, and I've seen it from my own experience, there are magicians who we know now who are part of our community who I met when they were nine. Mm-hmm. I did a show at their like mom's Christmas party, <laughs> and now they're 25 and they're here. Um, so that family show will be a breeding ground for the next generation of Chicago magicians. So it really matters to me. Yeah. So you can come show for the whole family. It'll be great. Yeah, so that's what they need to know. <laughs> seven that's days awesome. a week. Yeah. yeah, seven days a week. You guys have your work cut out for you. Yep. Yeah. What has been the most challenging thing so far in just opening the new venue? Oh. The last month was... Well, and it's it's different for each part of our team, you know? Of course. But you've... How long have you been actively on past like three or four months since November since November yeah the last two months have been notoriously crazy just with finishing the build Uh, I mean even today we're still fine tuning the building you know like we're working on the the secret doors and the the electrical and like we're still actively working on the space Uh which has been hard doing that around the media and around all the shows and but also booking acts and getting the kitchen staff and getting the servers <coughs> and making sure the website's up to date and making sure the ticketing system is in place. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot, you know, making sure we have somebody to empty our dumpsters and <laughs> making sure we have a cleaning crew that comes in at night. Mm-hmm. There's, we're a, an eight person team yep. plus, you know, all the staff plus the staff. So it's a, it's a small crew doing a lot of stuff. So I think that's been the most challenging. Uh, For me, um, the most challenging, and Ryan can attest to this, is the implementation of technology Mm -hmm. with what I do. I'm not the most tech savvy person. I feel very bad for Ryan. I rely on him a lot for the technology. (laughs) Uh, And then also, uh, as you mentioned earlier, is we have a lot of shows to prepare for a lot in the shows you know this is a great place the food's great the drinks are great but this is the Chicago Magic Lounge people come here for magic and each one of these shows that happen the quality has to be high I take that very seriously and I just keeping all that afloat keeping it organized I, someone said to me earlier, uh, what's this like, my role specifically? And I compare it to juggling like nine eggs and at every moment one's about to drop. And if that one drops, everything falls apart and keeping that together, mm-hmm. uh, which is a real challenge because I'm one person. Uh, but I have Ryan to help me and I have John Sterk, uh, helping as well. And, um, just keeping it going, keeping it going, but it, it's working, you know, yeah. this, we haven't had any serious catastrophes. It's been surprisingly yeah. smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was one catastrophe yesterday with that with tape and glue we were able to fix. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we got to go to six different furniture stores. Yep. Yep. And we'll leave the it, show. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. We'll go too far into what that was for. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it's good. But, you know, the great thing about it, I told our publicist this 
publicist this early is we've had a lot of little catastrophes. We had a water main break Monday, had no water in the building, couldn't flush a toilet, couldn't get a glass of water, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. After doors open, right. we couldn't flush a toilet. Yeah. Uh, but we got it working. <laughs> yeah, we get stuff. I mean, we do the impossible all the time. Yeah. And it's at a point now where when things happen, don't even sweat it. We got it. Whatever the problem is, mm-hmm. we got it. We'll figure it out. And um, so, yeah, there are difficult things that happen, but that's just life. That's I, Jack Goldfinger told me on the phone about a month ago when I was talking to him about this job. He said, just get, just enjoy problems and, you know, unfortunate things happening to you all the time. You'll be happy. And so, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm tired, but I'm happy and we, we work it out. That's that's great advice to yeah. enjoy problems. Yeah, uh, it's a jackism. Is it? Yeah, it's like the easiest one to understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a cryptic man. It's like what's, I got that. What's your favorite jack jackism? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. There's so many. Um, um, I have two. Okay, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get the wording right on this one. Um, the whole thing about. Uh, I'm trying to remember. God, there's so many, and he says them just the right way. He has that one about instead of trying to carpet the world, put on slippers. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, I like when he says, "When the student is ready, the teacher appears." So Jack, just to give you my Jack story really briefly. Yes. The first time I did the castle, I didn't know him, and I would get there two hours early. Just to practice. And this was before the early, early, or the cocktail hour. This yeah. was, there was just early and late. So I had to get there at five, practice until seven. And I went in the back to recess something. I hear someone say, Ben. And I said, yeah. And I come out and it's him. And, um, we talked for a long time. And as he left, he gave me his business card and left. And on the back of the card were written three words, wisdom, uh, guidance, and love. Like in different color inks. It was really weird, right? Yeah. So I take this, I do my show. And a year goes by. He was not the director of entertainment. That was Max Maven at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, I call him. I said, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Ben Barnes. And he says, of course I remember you. You always remember the dog that bites you. That's a good jackism. Um, <laughs> and so, but the first couple of phone conversations we had over the years, I had no idea of what we were talking about. <laughs> I didn't know when it was my turn to talk or anything like that. That's so, so true. Yeah. I remember I called you after I talked to Jack on the phone for the first time. And yeah. I go, I think I'm more confused now than before I yeah. talked to Jack. Yeah. <laughs> my, well, so my favorite one is, his arms are too short to box with the universe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what that means, yeah. but I love it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, good one that he had that's easy to understand is you can't see the whole picture when you're standing in the frame, so that's easy. But uh, Jack, love Jack Goldfinger. First thing he said him. to me was uh, I was hanging out with Mike Bashad at the bar, mm-hmm. and he, he said, surround yourself with the best because they always leave clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's a great one. That's a good one. So I hope he listens to this. I would tell him to listen to it if you... Yeah. Um, Well, we're coming up on an hour. All right. Um, I appreciate it. Let me start over. (laughs) 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 Scrap the thing. Take it from the top. Um, Marker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Quiet, quiet. Uh, Yeah, no, this is great. I'm very excited for people to 
experience the Chicago Magic Lounge. Yeah, baby. That's right, sucker. That's right. You guys are going to franchise it? I don't know what's going to happen. It will be epic, whatever it is, and you will be the first to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah, thanks, Ellen. Yeah. 100 episodes and then just being a body of work. Oh, cool. You know? yeah. yeah. But uh, how did you get involved with the lounge? Um, man, I, uh, I can't really say I got involved with it. I just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was a um, just a little creative project that I wanted to try. I had been directing a magic show for about three years, two and a half years, three years with uh, Louis Carrion in Chicago. And we were um, going around to different venues. Uh, we'd just do these pop-up magic shows. Um, we did one in Spanish, one in English, one <laughs> like in, at, a, at a, gay bar, a gay bar, and one at a comic book shop. And we were just traveling around all over. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who opened a theater I was an improviser friend of mine from when I was um, doing the comedy stuff. And uh, he opened a place called Uptown Underground. And he had just seen, like, honestly, he'd, he'd actually just seen me in a film. Um, mm-hmm. I was in uh, Man of Steel. I played Pete Ross. And he saw me in that. And he just randomly called me and said, dude, I, I saw you in, in Man of Steel. Like, what are you doing these days? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I'm directing a magic show. And he's like, I have a theater I'm opening. Let's do something. I was like, Okay. So I, uh, so it, you know, initially I was like, I'll just bring my show there. And now we have a home base. We'd been trying to find an open run somewhere. Yeah. And, um, then I, I, at the same time I was reading a, a book called now you see them now you don't my life in the magic bars of Chicago. It was Bill Weimer's book. And it was just stories, stories about all the guys who used to work the uh, magic bars, you know, the, the little bit of magics and the New York lounges that, that, that were open and it's all of these old bars. And, and I, I became fascinated with that. And I said, this is, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to take little pieces of each one of these, make an amalgamation of a night at a magic bar, like a theatrical representation of a night at a magic bar. Yeah. And that's what we'll do. And this so, is a, this is an homage rather rather than a, a recreation. Right, right. The whole thing is just, um, yeah, it's just paying respect to kind of a, a lost era. Mm-hmm. You know, the show, the concept of it was. A um, little bit of magic was uh, close-up magic at the table and then a stage act on the south side of Chicago. Uh, New York Lounge was all bar magic. They had a stage, but they didn't ever use it. It was off in the corner, and it was just four magicians working the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heba Haba and uh, Jack Mary and all that. Um and uh, then uh, I, wa- I wanted to kind of combine all of that. And Julian's, of course, with the table magic um, and, and the atmosphere. You know, Julian's was all about fun, all about speed, all about, you know, humor and then drinking. Mm-hmm. And combine all of those together in a night, um, you could make a, a really cool kind of atmospheric magical experience rather than just a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a lot of driving forces behind why I wanted to do that type of show um, because I was in the comedy scene in chicago mm-hmm. and uh i'd always been doing improv and stand-up you know and in, amazing if, if you come out of those worlds you'll see it's it's really community driven yeah um i did stand-up in austin for a while did um uh, improv in in austin for a while and i was directing a team down there and and i ended up kind of creating a, a community where there was none i would pull in you know, improvisers from comedy sports and theater sports and then my place at the Velveeta room and and we we kind of 
tried to make a community out of the mm-hmm. Austin scene. But right at that time, right when when things were starting to go right, I just I was like, I got to get I got to get to Chicago. I got to do it up a little bit more, a little bigger. Sure. So I moved up here, and uh, the improv Olympic scene was incredible. It was a massive classes, thousands of students. Uh, if you were at all interested in improv, you would just go to the theater, hang out. And uh, all of the veterans would be hanging out at the bar. Everybody just got this buzz about like watching other improvisers. And and when you when you get in that in that close knit circle with with other artists like that, you just grow as performers. And you see someone taking the chances, see someone taking these risks, and it makes you say, "Oh, I should take those risks too." Yeah. There's nothing about it that's copying it or like, "Oh, I'll just do those same jokes." It is, uh, you watch someone grow, you watch someone get better, and it just inspires you to get better. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I started kind of getting involved in the magic scene, I noticed that there was no hub um, for magicians in Chicago. Loads of magicians, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But there was no place for them to to get together, incubate, and, and bounce off of each other and grow as a team, yeah. grow as a unit, grow as a community. Um, so... There was a there was a big part of of this saying if we do this we can bring all the magicians together. And I didn't I knew like seven magicians. Yeah, and they were all from different places. Uh, I met a street ma- magician named Jeremy Pitpain, uh, well known busker uh, between here and New Orleans. Um, I met a guy named Jim. He worked over at a restaurant. He was my server. <laughs> you know, and he came out and did some magic when we talked about magic. Knew all the guys at Magic Inc. Of course. And I just said, hey, why don't we just pull all, I'll pull all the magic people that I know mm-hmm. together and we'll just do this. And, um, you know, the community just kind of uh, rallied around it, supported it. They were like, we got to come see what this is. And then, then it was like, oh, we've got to come be a part of this. And then it, and it just spiraled into something pretty amazing. You know, Where's the drive to perform come from? Uh, I was, I was in, I was in a play when I was in third grade, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some musical I sang and I've always been in the theater. Um, yep. I was, uh, I was in theater classes in eighth grade. I was, you know, but I've always been interested in the arts. If it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't being on stage or, or anything, I was drawing, you mm-hmm. know, always drawing something yeah, yeah. and then theater would theater and art just kind of always, um, fought back and forth with each other. And then, um, and then, uh, yeah, then I went to school. I was, I was in high school doing college plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget when I realized how much it meant to me. Um, I didn't care about school too much. I was a skater, you know, I D for diploma kind of thing. You know what <laughs> sure, I mean? Yeah. I mean, I was in the advanced classes when I was young, but I was like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to I hang out with my friends more, you know? Yeah. And so when I found out that I, I had to pass my classes in order to be in a play, uh, I don't forget. I was I was the most emotional I'd ever been as in, in high school. Was I didn't I couldn't try out for the play, and I I secretly cried because I couldn't be in that play. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I actually have to pass. I have to care about other things if I want to do this. Mm-hmm. So then it just I realized how much it meant to me at that point. And then I didn't have any plans for college, um, and so I knew that you could do theater in college. So that's why I went to college, just so I could keep doing theater. Yeah. Went to a school. Um, I was getting cast in leads, and I said, this, there's something wrong with this. I shouldn't be getting all the parts. So I went to a bigger <laughs> school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got more leads, and I got more, I got like awards, and I was like, mm, this is stupid. If I'm the best thing you got, I'm not going to learn here. Yeah. So then I went to a bigger theater department, and I kept getting parts, and I 
So I kind of realized, okay, well, I'll just keep pushing myself. You know, yeah. That's when I went to Chicago. That's why I decided to come to Chicago really was just, I want a bigger pool. I just want to see if I can float. You mm-hmm. know? And so I just kept challenging myself by driving myself to bigger markets. Is that how you got into comedy? Uh, yeah, no, I've always been kind of into comedy. Um, but, but as uh, part of like pushing yourself from going, okay, I can do a play which somebody else wrote and somebody can tell me what to do. I'll do stand up and improv <laughs> and I'll write everything and make stuff up on the spot. No, that was actually, it was a lazy choice. It was just like, oh, I don't have to memorize any scripts. So <laughs> I was like, I was doing Shakespeare in college and then, and then I was like, wait, I can just make stuff up. Oh, this is way easier. Yeah. Um, when I, when I changed schools, it was my third college. I moved to Austin. Um, I'm from Texas. Mm-hmm. So I went to Austin, uh, and, uh, I was looking for something to do that night. I just moved to town. I was living with my aunt and, uh, I popped into a comedy club and, um, watched the improv set. And I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And so I went home and told my aunt, I was like, saw this great show last night. It's incredible. I don't know how to get involved with that, but that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I picked up the paper. They were holding auditions on Sunday and it was Friday. So I went back on Saturday night to watch them again. And then Sunday I went to audition and then they just locked me into that community for, for a long time. Amazing. Yeah. And how has that influenced uh, your magical interest? Uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's always, I've always been interested in the fringe arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in theater, I was uh, I got really involved in in studying mime. <laughs> Don't know why, um, but um, I came really close to after college going to the Jacques Lecoq School of Mime in Paris. That's I was just like, let's just do that. Yeah, why not? Um, improv was just such a cool thing. It was so different and and kind of fresh at the time. You know, we're talking like 1998, 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so then I just locked into that and said, okay, well, let me, let me just study that, you know, and I went to the origins of, of improv. Viola Spolin wrote a book called improvisation for the theater. She's kind of known as the godmother of, of improvisation. So when I wanted to study it, I went to, uh, her son was Paul Sills who started second city. And then his daughter was Aretha Sills and she was teaching her grandmother's improv games out in Hollywood. So I sought that out, went out there for a little while and realized that if I, if I follow a certain track with, with this, I can find the best people, the best schools and surround myself with the, the, the best part of all this, you know? Yeah. So when I, when I started, you know, I ended up touring professionally um, on the NACA circuit, college circuit, yep. doing uh, improv for about three years and became a, an MC for a long time for Ford Motor Company. So I was just, you know, talking about Ford trucks, you know, out of, <laughs> like state fairs and auto shows and yeah. things like that. Um, and I kind of realized, well, once your hobby becomes your day job, mm-hmm. then what do you do for fun? Yeah. Right? What's your next hobby? Yeah. Um, I, I juggled for a while, you know, um, then, uh, the, the magic thing just kind of all came around. And again, I, I kind of took that improv mentality, not necessarily in the performance style, but how to study it. Mm-hmm. You know, with improv, you go to the roots yeah. and you find out who's been affected through those roots. You know, who started it all by Ospol and how do I go underneath that? You know, and then that tracks down to Chicago. Yeah. So for magic, I said, well, if I'm going to study this at the ripe young age of 35, you know, <laughs> where do I start? I'm not an eight year old getting into this. I'm yeah. a, I'm a full grown adult male. Mm-hmm. So where do I, do I go to Juan Tamaraz? You know, do I go to, do I go to David Stone? Do I go to Darwin Ortiz? Like they're all great, but how do they all connect? Mm-hmm. You know? So I just, I'm here in Chicago. 
I went local. I um, found out about Ed Marlowe and I said, he is like the Del Close of improv, you know, or, yeah. the, or the violist bullet of improv, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of revered one yeah. that had people that learned under him that then they had people that they taught underneath them. So I started with the, I started with Marlowe, found out about uh, Aronson and, um, and uh, Simonson and, and uh, Bannon mm-hmm. and then Bill Malone. And then that's, I was like, that's all I need. You yeah. Know? You have card effects, you have mental effects, you have gaff card effects, you have so many things to choose from. And then you have just pure slights with the Marlowe stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm satisfied. I can learn anything I need from this core. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's kind of how I applied that improv mentality to it of studying the, the base of it to give me direction. So then that's when it started to kind of all click together that um, all of these guys lived in Chicago. Chicago was a big magic city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whenever I read, now you see them, now you don't, it just, it, it just built more of that history and built more of that story into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, did you do any performing magic? I mean, what is it? Were you oh, just no. a hobby? No, no, no it's just complete hobby. Yeah. Interesting. Just complete hobby. Um, I, I didn't expect to do anything with it. Um, I, I did, um, you know, I was learning some card tricks, uh, then learning the slides. And then just basically if, if I perform now to anyone, mm-hmm. um, I use my improvisational experience with magic. Yeah. So once you learn the slides, you can, you can jazz, right? Sure. So you just, you, someone says, uh, oh, you know, or do you do, uh, do you do anything? You know, do you mm-hmm. do any magic or, or hey, let me show you. I have a deck of cards here. Yeah. Most of the time I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I just pull out a deck of cards and, and use uh, uh, control or force or something that, yeah. that just, and just have fun with it. So I use my comedy of more like the, the improv interactions with the, with the spectator yeah. or my friends or whatever. Um, then I do like, a full fully realized trick that I can credit to somebody. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I've, I've, uh, done, I've gone back and forth on jazzing and magic, uh, <laughs> throughout my career. Um, there was a point where that was all I was doing. And then I was like, ah, I'm not, this isn't working <laughs> the way that I want it to. Um, so I, what, what do you think is, what do you think are the benefits of improvising when you're doing magic? It keeps you interested. That's true. You know, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many tricks I've learned and then stopped doing, mm-hmm. you know, where you have like a whole deck that's set up for this one thing. Yeah. And then it sits at the bottom of your, of your card box, mm-hmm. you know, um, Oh, box office phone is ringing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll hit, uh, Oh man. That's my revenue. What's happening? <laughs> All right, it'll 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 head down to the box office in a second. Okay. Um, but yeah, it keeps it keeps you engaged. I think a little bit more. It keeps you a little bit more alert and alive in that moment, and mm-hmm. it also makes it real for that spectator for that moment. If they mm-hmm. kind of realize that you're just doing this specifically for them, it makes it a little bit more personal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I, I was showing the guys across the street, you know, like, oh, you're opening the magic place across the street. Love, man. I love card tricks. Well, I've had a deck of cards. So I was just going to do a simple, um, you know, card under the uh, card under the glass, but yeah. I, had, I just bought some wine. So I was going to do it at the register under my wine bottle. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, 
opening a magic theater, you don't have a whole lot of time to play with cards anymore. Sure. So I'd missed my, uh, I'd missed my shuffle by just a sec, you know, I was able to glimpse it, but mm-hmm. I missed the shuffle to get it on top, do a top pump. But I don't know. So <laughs> the, there was a completely wrong card under there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought I might've missed it. Uh, but I, I didn't, again, I didn't know what I was going to do when I just pick a card. So yeah. I was able to just kind of improvise out of that with um, a simple top change um, showing him oh, that would have been amazing, but yeah. You know, then just, and it's, yeah, it just makes it fun, you know, it gets you out of any sticky situation um, if, if you get into it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a valuable tool. And I think that's, that I think is probably the biggest lesson to be learned from jazzing and from improv and magic is that, you know, you you just have so much more confidence because now nothing can go wrong. No, yeah. Right? You can, yeah, and you can nothing, talk yourself out of anything. And nothing can go wrong because... They don't know where anything is going. Yeah. If, you know, and, and there's also a cool thing of like, they don't know where it's going and they've never seen this trick. No one's going to say, well, I've seen this trick before. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you haven't. I just made it up. Yeah. You know, but yeah, they, I mean, they don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's going. It's just kind of a fun thing, but you can control everything. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so, um, what, what are you, what are your goals for the lounge? Five, 10, 15 years. <laughs> uh, I've got, uh, I've got three business goals, uh, that are set for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is to, um, just be a profitable business. Five years. I want to be profitable. Um, and that means, um, just, uh, just winning it at, at the mission, you mm-hmm. know, and making sure that we're, we're hitting our mission statement and we're, we're, uh, resting on our values to make sure that we are, uh, doing what we set out to do in the first place. Yeah. Never which is what side of that, uh, twofold mission. Uh, one of them is to, um, to kind of remind Chicago that, uh, that they had a history with magic and, uh, introduce them to the concept of Chicago's magic bar scene. Mm-hmm. And the other side is to, um, revive the Chicago magic community mm-hmm. into what it was. I yeah. Mean, if you look at anything in the sixties, it was just blowing up that Salvatore Sala picture that he has everyone should have seen the magic round table drawing mm-hmm. that he made yeah so many people in that yeah most of them were, were hubbed around chicago you know so that's that's a twofold thing as long as we're still building the chicago magic community and reviving it to what it once was and just making a strong home for magicians strong home for the artists uh in the area um and also um at the same time uh just staying true to the roots and and bringing back the history of of chicago style magic as long as we're doing that, we'll, we'll be fine. So that's the long five-year five year plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the short term is, uh, uh, mid-term, I should say, is um, you know, we, we really want to see a school open up. Um, that's something I've always kind of envisioned. Uh, it's the same, same method that they do it in, in improv. You know, Second City was an amazing thing. It brought together a community, and everybody started flocking here because of it. Mm-hmm. And you want to get better at your craft. You surround yourself with people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a training center it started off really small, but now it's a mega complex. It's like a, it's like a community college over there now. Wow. Um, and so I had said, well, whenever we get up and running, we're going to open up our club. We reinstituted the Chicago magic round table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then we, um, once we build the round table and, uh, and create this, this community, 
then we can branch into the um, into the master classes and actually make a school uh, for magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can make a master series for people who want to get serious with it and use some of our strong talents in the area to to um, create a course. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, I've I've had an idea since the beginning for magic for non magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, that class would simply be called Uncle Magic. <laughs> and it's but it's I mean it's it's a true concept though. It's it, you know everyone wants to learn a card trick or two. Yeah. And they always do like a 21 card trick or something with um, equivocate or something, you know? Sure. Um, but this class would be, you know, to to pull a quarter out of someone's ear the right way. Yeah. You know, um, here are two to three solid card tricks that your friends haven't seen. Yeah. Not knuckle busters, a lot of self-working stuff maybe, but something that will engage them in the art of magic mm-hmm. uh, to kind of spark something in them maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and just to have a good time with their friends. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, just, just kind of a, a, a basics for non-magicians, you know, not revealing too many of the, of the closely guarded stuff, Sure. but some of the stuff that they might've seen online because everyone's going to YouTube to learn some magic tricks. So there is some base understanding of how some of it works. Yeah. Uh, and we would, we would want to capture those people who are truly interested in the art, but not wanting to be a professional. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So yeah, so a school, uh, school would be really great. Um, I've actually written it down, and uh, I wanted to do it within the first three months of, of us opening. Wow! Um, and uh, if there's anything I know about goals, it's you you write them down, and you give yourself a deadline, and um, and you get there. Amazing. And then the uh, the short term short term goal. Well, I guess it's a one. I guess that's the shortest term goal. But the one year goal is um, to be the number one thing to do in Chicago on TripAdvisor. Over the last two and a half years, we started this concept. We were only on Thursdays uh, at first, and then we became Thursdays and Saturdays. And through that, we became the number two thing to do on TripAdvisor in Chicago nightlife. Mm-hmm. Out of 540 some odd things you could do in Chicago, yeah. we somehow got to number two. Two nights a week. Two nights a week. Um, and then if you look at concerts and shows, it's a smaller uh, category. There's only about 170 things you can do, but we're number mm-hmm. three there. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, through all this, uh, we've we've just watched this whole thing grow. I'm not I'm not too worried about being the number one thing in concerts and shows that will always turn around. Uh, Dennis Watkins and I like to to tease each other about who's number two and three. Uh, <laughs> we were we were both respectively uh, two and three for a little bit, and we switch. Yeah. But Dennis and I are, are are of the same mindset in that if there are two things magic related that are the top five things in Chicago, we're winning. Yeah. We're doing this right. Yeah. And we're yeah. doing it for the art. Um. So I want to be number one in nightlife. That's, that's my, that's my hope. Uh, the number one thing to do nightlife wise in Chicago, because you know, we want to be more than just a show. We want you to, this is an event. You mm-hmm. know, this is a, this is an entire night. Mm-hmm. You can go to the magic bar or you can go to the, the magic bar and the stage portion. You go to the magic bar, the stage portion and the 654 club for the close up experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different levels of experience that you can do and you could stay for four hours. You could stay for a half an hour. Yeah. Um, so Nightlife is a great category for us to win in. So yeah, yeah, that's amazing. How, and then and then we'll uh, and then we'll talk later about six years of, <laughs> of, of expansion. Yeah, how Glo- how global, did you global takeover? There it is. I wondered. <laughs> I I think I asked uh, Ryan and Ben if you guys were going to franchise it out. No, God, no, um, <laughs> not a franchise. Um, so before this, I was um, I was the head of sales for Big Bus Tours. Um, mm-hmm. It's a global tourism company. Hop on, hop off buses, headquartered out of London, and. Um, our competition was another hop off, hop on, hop off company. You know, they were called city sightseeing and they're everywhere. They're literally everywhere. You can go to Bath, England and take a hop on, hop off tour, you know, 
I don't even think they have a hundred thousand people there. It's real touristy, but they have like 25 stops in this small town. Yeah. It's a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Bus is a company. Mm-hmm. They all believe in the same mission. Mm-hmm. They all have the same values as a business. They all have um, the same resources. You mm-hmm. know, it's all just top-down leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a franchise, you just say, "Take our name, take our logo, take our look," mm-hmm. um, and uh, we wish you all the best. We'll take ten percent, yeah, you know, or fifteen percent, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose control of the brand, mm-hmm. and so if we were to expand out. It has to have the same mission. It has to have we have whoever's doing it yeah. must have the same culture, yeah. um, business culture. So if we do expand, it is it is truly a, um, a business expansion, mm-hmm. not not a franchise. Yeah. Sure, that's very cool. Um, how do, what how did you envision this space? What was the what were the um, direct inspirations and what was the experience that you wanted to create and how did you realize that in building out the the lounge well i mean truly it all comes from the concept it comes from the vision of recreating a night at a magic bar so mm-hmm. we did that mm-hmm. and we worked our show into the space that we were in mm-hmm. we designed our show around the layout and then once we got into saturdays which is more of a prime time mm-hmm. audience for us we were able to capture uh, another room in the venue to add on for the close-up night mm-hmm. at the close-up venue. Uh, so we we had uh, bar magic and table magic and stage magic on Thursdays, but on Saturday it was table magic, stage magic, and the close-up gallery. Mm-hmm. And so with the new space, we wanted to take all of those aspects and put them all together. It was just too crazy to do bar magic because the bar was actually in the theater. Yeah. So it was a half service bar, half front bar. Mm -hmm. There was no breaking. There was no wall between it. So we knew we wanted a separate bar. We knew we wanted a separate cabaret space Mm -hmm. with the tables and all that. And then we knew we wanted to keep that aspect of the back room upgraded ticket for a a private close-up event. Mm -hmm. So we knew we needed three performance spaces. Um, We worked very closely, my partner and I, worked very closely with the architects who designed this, uh, John Morris architects, uh, Morris architecture planners. Um, and John, we met John first and then we met David Burns, um, who would, uh, put a lot of, uh, pencils on paper for this project. They produced, uh, three, um, different versions of the layout. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we knew we wanted a second floor mezzanine. We wanted that exclusive experience. That was one of my partners, like big things that we must have a mezzanine. Um, and, uh, we went from, yeah, we went from, uh, just a, a one story kind of place that had, you know, it had its separations, but no back hallways or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we used what we, what we learned from adapting to our old theater mm-hmm. and saying, let's take what we've created a, as a flow and build a better version of that mm-hmm. in this, in this space. So. So it's kind of, it was kind of like, which came first, you know, it's who knows, you yeah. know, so the show was developed off of the space, but then we created that show that worked. And so then we built the venue then out of the show that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the little small details around here were just like, Oh, what if, what if we want to do this? What if we want to do that? The height of the stage was very thought out. Yeah. Um, the theater designers, who, who who built this they they had only worked on on plays and, and bigger theaters you know 
small theaters, but you know, sure. m- m- like straight theater, you know, mm-hmm. um, our stage height, I wanted to be able to, um, you have a card table on the, on the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I spread the cards out and one of those cards is reversed, I need that front row to be able to see it. Yeah. So it can't be too high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want them on the same level because mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of elevation. You're on a stage, you know? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we, we got the perfect height. It's actually designed to be the height of a card table on, mm-hmm. on the stage. Oh, wow. Um, the bar magic, we were, you know, we were doing bar magic on the corner of, of the bar of an L shaped bar. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to say, no, this, this is front and center. I don't know why we're putting baby in a corner with this, you know, <laughs> like let's go front and center. So we put, we, we built this thing and I had a concept of, if you go to any old, you know, 19, uh, you know, twenties era bar, thirties era bar, you, you see a lot of the, the kind of rounded elements of the bar where a lot of taps are, are stored. Usually, you know, it's yeah. just for the bartender to get up into the taps. Um, I said, I want that, but I want to green it and I want to turn that into a close-up table. Mm-hmm. You know? So we built a close-up table in the bar um, that's rounded like that to, mm-hmm. to fit the era and, and also the style of, of the magician. Uh, all the, all the stories about Hiba Haba and Malone working these bars uh, was that they would lean over ice bins uh, to perform <laughs> Johnny Paul's magic lounge in Cicero. Yeah. You know, there's pictures of him doing magic for people and still leaning over ice pens. Yeah. So we said, all right, no, we can't do that. We don't want to be that traditional. We yeah. want to cut out a spot for, for magic to be there. So we, um, we just took every possible problem and solved it. And, um, and now you're getting new problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At this point, it's like, it's too late. Uh, if that problem arises, uh, just, we, we just don't do that now. <laughs> no, but actually, we haven't, we haven't really been, you know, hit with too many new issues except for um, just how to handle this space with humans in it. Yeah. You know, we've had uh, four shows and uh, future looks bright, you know? Yeah. I'm very excited. Is there anything that you think people should know? Uh, about the lounge that I wouldn't know to ask about. Uh, that's a that's a tough question. I don't know what you wouldn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I then mean, I just wouldn't know to ask you. Yeah. Well, you you've seen it. You know, uh, you've seen it all around. Uh, you've talked to a lot of the magicians who who work here. Mm-hmm. Um, we are uh, we are wanting to build a um, a nice home for for close up magic, but we also want to build a team. Uh, Bill Malone helped me a lot in the early days. Um, we uh, we met strangely I, I used to be a concierge at a hotel and and i just hear this voice checking into the hotel and i walk out and i was like bill malone he goes hey how are you you know <laughs> and i was like i i adore you i watch all of your tapes and he's like oh we should we should hang out we should get some coffee and uh and we we just kind of hit it off from there and um uh, but he gave me he gave me great advice uh from from his days of owning uh, Malone's down in uh, Boca Raton. Yeah. He said, what I can, what I can tell you to do, the best thing you can do is build a team, build a core, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure that that core, um, uh, works, works strong to, uh, to make, make it, make it successful. And so when we were doing the lounge, you know, we, we were 40, I think, you know, we were really community driven and we were two nights a week. So we couldn't really, we couldn't really, you know, have a lot of consecutive uh, mm-hmm. performers because everybody's got, you know, we, we deal with the professionals then they're on the road, they're traveling, they're booked, they're gigs, yeah. you know, they've got gigs. And so we would just kind of um, say, okay, well you're available. You're really sending your availability and we'll book you. Yeah. But now that we're seven nights a week, that would be insane Yeah, <laughs> to try to schedule. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of like self-preservation to have a, a core. Yeah. Um, but also it's a way for, um, for that core to get strong and just, and just keep, keep getting better. 
And then of course, when they're on stage, then we bring in um, our roster from the, from the community. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Malone was a, a huge help in the early days. Um, I talked to him before we actually opened and I was able to actually implement his suggestions into, um, into the, the, the functioning uh, aspect, the magician aspect of, of the lounge, which is cool. Um, I do say to a lot of uh, people that um, if you're if you're really into magic and you want to open a magic bar, there's no better way to get out of magic <laughs> than <laughs> opening a magic bar. <laughs> I haven't touched the deck of cards in so long. And, you know, yesterday when we have our grand opening, everybody's like, oh, you must be elated. You must be ecstatic. And I'm like, I'm fixing the air conditioning. I'm on my back looking at an ice machine, you know, before we open. So it's uh, it's it's a whole different it's a whole different ballgame. You know, I mean, still, I love it because it's, uh, you know, that ice machine is going to serve drinks in a magic bar. You know, yeah. the air conditioner is to make sure people are comfortable yeah. in a magic bar, you yeah, know, yeah. in a magic theater. And so it's uh, it's just you know, you do remind yourself of that, but, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a lot right now. It's amazing. So what do you think your new hobby is going to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think I might go back to acting. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, my new hobby is just, is, uh, I'd like to pick up golf. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, my new hobby is, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I know I can't be here 24 hours a day, you know, run yeah. this as a business Monday yep. through Friday and maybe some, come see a couple shows, you know, but I, uh, I leave it to my team to execute this. You know, this isn't mine. This isn't mine alone. And I, I never have claimed this to be mine. Mm-hmm. This belongs to my entire team who's helped me build this. Um, Benjamin Barnes, our entertainment director, just sweat out. 11, 12 years in Chicago doing magic Chicago. I'm not going to pretend like there wasn't magic in Chicago before yeah. I came along. You know? Yeah. Um, and his his hard work and determination did not go unnoticed by me. Um, I could have easily just looked at it as a competitive show mm-hmm. and, and said, "We're here to squash competition. We're going to shut down every magic show in town. It's just going to be us." But that's not that's not at all where I'm coming from. You know? Yeah, I saw his dedication and his hard work and his his need to to do something for his community. And so the best thing I could do for him was put him at the top and you know, mm-hmm. have him a director. Um, the uh, all the magicians that have been with me since the beginning, uh, they they did it in their in their off time. You know, they all had full time jobs, and they uh, came in. John Sturck and, and Ryan Plunkett they put in their late night hours um, to to help me and 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 help me start this business. So of course, I rewarded them in the best way I could with giving them a full time job here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, the best thing I can do is is walk away from this business eventually, you know, yeah. give it to the team, give it to everybody, give it to the community and let them have it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll lead the ship and then, uh, and then who knows, you know, but it's not mine. It's everybody's, you know, if you're listening to this, you come into Chicago, it's yours. You know, I, I believe in the artists taking ownership of, of something that, uh, they kind of help create. Yeah. You know, the community of Chicago is so amazing with, with support for this. They all say to me, you know, thank, this was a great idea. Thank you so much. I'm like, no, you, you're the ones who made it work. Mm-hmm. I could have had a great idea and you just wouldn't have come, you know, but you did. You believed in it and you you saw that there was a need for this. And so 
it, it belongs to the community. It belongs to the artists. It belongs to the magicians. And so I'm just proud to, to, to have it. I'll steer the ship, but uh, they're the ones that are going to tell me if, uh, if we're going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, amazing. Thank you for your time. I know you're very busy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got a Houdini pinball machine to get back to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, uh, well, what did you think of the lounge? I mean, you've been here, you've seen it, you know, I mean, uh, again, this isn't about me. This is about, uh, what the magic community thinks of it. You know, how did we do? Uh, I think you did great. It's actually, I was telling Ben and Ryan, um, it's kind of weird because, uh, everything is so nice and well done and well thought out that just me personally, I was like, wait, hold on. This is a magic thing, right? <laughs> it's like, this is, this seems to be running too smoothly for this, to, for this to be a magic thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really lovely. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed spending time here and, uh, I'm coming back and seeing the show tonight, getting the full experience. Yeah. Max um, Maven's in town. He's killing it. It's just amazing to watch him work. Uh, Alba is uh, is amazing she was, to watch. She was incredible. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. Yeah, uh, Kayla is uh, is uh, an up and coming uh, you know big name in the bar magic scene, and I love that she's known as doing bar magic. And I mm-hmm. said, well, if we're gonna have a grand opening for with with bar magic, I got to get Kayla back out here, you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then author is, is uh, truth. Truth be told, I I saw author last time I was um, at the Magic Castle, and I was just like I. I want to bring him here immediately. He plays, he would play so well to the Chicago audience mm-hmm. because he gets that Chicago kind of style. You know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, um, it's not like kind of over rehearsed. It's, it's just, it's funny without, uh, it, it's, it's true comedian style funny, which is, which is kind of hard sometimes to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so it was just great to have him out here. And, uh, and also, you know, it's it's great to have everybody come in from out of town, so that uh, all the locals can can just relax and yeah. and have they can have a grand opening too. So we can we can show Chicago, we can bring in big names, we can show the magicians that uh, just a good show. Yeah, because uh, they're going to work a lot in this city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to hear a lot from the Chicago scene coming up soon. Big names coming out. I I just I, you know it's funny because you know. I know we're wrapping up here, but when you when you hear about all the old names, you know Clark Crandall, mm-hmm. the senator, yeah. you know who was here in Dorney, who were here, uh, you know you hear these names, and and you got to wonder, you know, what was it like to see Johnny Paul? Like he wasn't a big name at the time. Yeah, you know Marshall Brodeen was 19 years old working in a magic lounge. <laughs> and what was that like? Yeah. You know, these names became well known in the magic community afterwards, but they were just people, yeah. you know, at the time, and so I. I, I want to envision our team getting to that level of like, you know, the Dorneys and the and the Brodines of the world are are going to pop out of Chicago. Oh yeah, you know? but this time they're not going to move to L.A. This time they're going to stay put. <laughs> <laughs> no more harvesting magicians, L.A. We're keeping. We're taking them back. <laughs> Making Chicago the destination. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully. I, there there really isn't. LA was LA was the magic place for a long time because of Vernon. Yeah, and that you know that isn't there anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we were we were big because of Marlowe, but that's not there anymore either. And I do want to say um, that this is in no way, in any way, um, you know, trying to be the Magic Castle. And yeah. a lot of people have asked me that. Mm-hmm. Um, said, "Oh wow, you're trying to be the next Magic Castle? You're gonna you're gonna oh man, this is gonna be better than Magic Castles." Don't say that because like, it's not it. Yeah, you know, magic is. 
Magic is in need of more places like this and the castle and the Magic Circle in London. You know, all ships rise with the tide and, and it's time for Magic to kind of become a known thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a completely different mission statement than the castle. You know, the castle's a private club, the Academy of Magical Arts. Like, they're, they're, that's awesome. And I love it and support it. Mm-hmm. All we can do is just provide another harbor yeah. for magicians. You know, how cool would it be to have, you know, five Chicago magic lounges that kind of all over the place and the magic castle doing its thing and, and and for someone to book a a circuit, you Mm -hmm. know, like make a, make a tour out of it. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not trying to to do anything, but just grow the magic scene from uh, across the country. Just be, be part of the, the whole landscape of magic. I think it's amazing. And I think that's a wonderful goal. There's so many places for people to perform that aren't magicians. You know, we need to make more venues for magicians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've got um, uh, a new uh, uh, a new guy moved to town not too long ago. His name's Aaron. And uh, he opened a place called The Trickery. And um, it's great. Like, you know, it's a small little 23 seat thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are like, you know, oh, is this going to be competition? Absolutely not. You know, like I don't believe in competing within the same art. Mm-hmm. Um Dennis Watkins and in uh, his show and the Magic Penthouse downtown, uh, we're all working together for the same goal. It's just to to make magic awesome and to to get people to notice it, you know, yeah. and watch it, I want to be part of it. Um, you know, my my competition is going to to see Black Panther. You know, yeah. <laughs> going to see a movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my competition is Netflix. My competition is uh, you know, uh, the Blue Man Group. You yeah, know? totally. It's it's getting people to choose magic instead mm-hmm. and uh and find a, a a new place to hang out so that's uh that's what we're up against you know we're up against live music we're up against a concert yeah know? so yeah i think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun i think so too and i'm looking forward to seeing how it goes thank you joey i appreciate it thank you talk soon thanks so much for listening to magical thinking if you enjoyed the show head over to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash magical thinking and become a patron to support the show and get access to exclusive content like magic audiobooks, tips on style and fashion, a revamped book club, behind the scenes pictures and video, audio answers to your magic questions, and more. You can get in touch with me by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com and when you're finished, Head into your podcast app and leave a rating and a review for Magical Thinking. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.